As you can tell, Robert is out of town, and when he's out of town, most of the time I have the pleasure of filling the pulpit and bringing the Word of God, and that is, uh, that is the same thing today. And so I want to introduce myself. My name is Brian Fillinger. I'm the Minister of Discipleship here at Spring Valley. And I want to take a quick moment to, uh, to do really kind of two things. First, uh, to welcome you. Um, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I love this Sunday because I get to be one of the first people to say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> love it. Absolutely. It is, it is, I'm out now, I do have to admit, like we broke the rules and we put the Christmas tree up, like, I don't know, feels like a month ago. Um, but, uh, but I said, it can go up, but we're not going to decorate it. So we've just got a bare bones Christmas tree sitting there with lights on it that are half burnt out. Y'all know how that goes. Um, but, uh, but this Sunday, I, w- I do want to welcome you. If you are a guest with us this morning, if you're here in the room, I want to encourage you as you head back out after worship uh, to stop by the Welcome Center, uh, pick up one of those guest bags. That is our gift to you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, but I also want to encourage you to fill out a card, complete one of those guest cards, one of those we call them Connect cards. Uh, that gives us a record of your visit. If you're joining us online, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. In the top right corner, there is a connect button. If you'll click on that, uh, that gives us a record of your visit. But more importantly, it helps us to minister to you and join with you in your journey of faith uh, as, as you move forward. And so uh, I pray that you will do that this morning. Every Sunday morning, and y'all know this, you can probably, uh, y'all can probably come up here and tell me or tell us what I'm about to say. But every Sunday morning, we begin what we call one conversation. Either the topic or the, or the theme, the theme or the passage is introduced in the worship service. Uh, and then we leave here and we go into our small groups, which are our life groups, and we discuss it at a deeper level. We take it deeper. We dive deeper into that passage. And so this morning, uh, your life groups are going to come out of Genesis 22. Genesis 22, where you're talking about Abraham and Isaac, and we're very familiar with that story. It's still a very powerful, powerful story uh, of Abraham and Isaac and the trial that comes when God asks Abraham to to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And so that's what y'all are going to look at uh, this morning, that the the topic being confidence in trials. But as as I prepared this this sermon and as I began to pray about it, um, the process came into my mind that so oftentimes we find ourselves in trials, walking through uh, whatever it is, uh, pain, agony, whatever we find ourselves in, that can oftentimes stir up within us doubt. That can oftentimes stir up within us these questions. We begin to question things that we know to be true. And so the title of the sermon, as you can see, is When Doubt Creeps In. When Doubt Creeps In, we're going to be looking at Matthew 11, 1 through 11. And I love this passage because it's, it's really a conversation between two people. It's a conversation between Jesus and John the Baptist. Of course, John is not there, if you're familiar with Matthew 11. John is not there. He has sent his disciples to ask Jesus a question. I want us to take a quick minute, and I know you already know this, but I want to take a quick minute to look at John the Baptist, the life of John the Baptist. If you remember, and I love this story, right, we're celebrating it this time of the year when the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that she's pregnant. But she also tells Mary that, hey, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant as well. And so Mary goes to Elizabeth. Y'all remember that? She goes to Elizabeth. This is something I didn't realize until I was married and had kids, but he goes to Elizabeth in her third trimester. Right? So there's three more months. She stays with Elizabeth for three months, her final trimester. The baby's basically just putting on weight at that point, right? Fully formed. 
And when Mary walks into the room, this fully formed child in Elizabeth's womb recognizes the spirit of Jesus Christ and leaps in her womb. Now, ladies, I don't pretend to know what that feels like, but I would imagine it wasn't a super comfortable thing for Elizabeth that this child is leaping in her womb because he recognizes before either one of them are even born, John the Baptist recognizes the spirit of Jesus Christ. He recognizes the presence of the Messiah in the room, and he leaps. If you know the story, we continue on, and John the Baptist is born in Luke uh, 1, 76 through 77, and Zechariah, his father, who was mute up until this point for the whole pregnancy because he didn't believe the Lord, and, and so this is the first thing that he says, and it's a prophecy about John the Baptist, and it says in Luke 1, 76 through 77, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So John recognizes Jesus before he's even born. He leaps with excitement because the Messiah has entered the room. His father prophesies that you're going to be the prophet that paves the way for the Son of God. And then in the desert... John the Baptist is older, and the Word of God comes to him in the desert, and he begins his ministry, his ministry of preaching repentance by baptism, preparing the way for the Messiah, and fulfilling not only the prophecy of his father, but fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. That's not the end. All right, we know the story. Jesus comes down. John is baptizing people in the river, and Jesus says, hey, I need you to baptize me. John, you know, says, I can't do that. He says, no, I need you to. I need you to be obedient. I need you to baptize me. And so he baptizes him, and what happens? John is standing in the river. He baptizes the Son of God, and the heavens open up. He sees a dove come out of heaven and float down and land on Jesus Christ. And he hears the voice of God proclaim, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So John was no stranger to who Jesus was. And had spent his entire life preparing and proclaiming who Jesus was. That he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And we pick up in Matthew 11, 1 through 3. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah... He sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? You see, all through Scripture, we, 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 we see John. We see John proclaiming. And then all of a sudden, John is in a trial. John is in prison. And let me be clear, John is not in prison for being, uh, for being foolish or for doing things that uh, ought to be in prison. John is in prison for following and fulfilling the will of God in his life. John is in prison for proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And we don't see any record, and this is pure speculation, so take it just as that. We don't see any record of Jesus sending a messenger to John to encourage him. Uh, working to get John released, 
visiting John. We don't see that. And so we can assume that John is sitting in prison and then he's dealing with the same emotions that we would be dealing with. He's, he's sad. He's frightened. He's discouraged. He's confused. And doubt begins to creep in. You also have to understand in that culture, they expected the Messiah to come as a political leader. And he's not seeing it. He's not hearing it. He's not experiencing that piece of what the culture was telling him the Messiah was going to do. And so John sits in prison and doubt begins to creep in. See, when trials arise, often our doubt strikes, often our doubt strikes at the very root of our faith, the fundamental truths which were thought to be well settled. But John doesn't just sit there in his prison cell. He doesn't just sit there in his fear, in his doubt, and wallow in it. He doesn't allow it to capture his mind and run him away from Christ and draw him away from the truth. Instead, John sends his disciples to the truth. Our first point this morning is that when doubt creeps in, we need to return to the source of truth. When doubt creeps in, we need to return to the source of truth. John knew nothing but Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and so when doubt began to creep in in his world, when it didn't look like he thought it should look, when he didn't understand why he was in prison, when he went through his trial, he sent messengers to the Messiah. And he asked the question, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? See, I think so many times in our trials, we catch ourselves beating ourselves up, right? I shouldn't have these kind of questions. I shouldn't have these kind of thoughts. I shouldn't have this kind of doubt. And so we bottle it up. We keep it inside. And yet our heart is crying out for truth. Our heart is crying out for a relationship. And John asks the question, are you the Messiah? Are you my Savior? Are you the one that I've been proclaiming? Are you the one that I've dedicated my life to? Or should I look somewhere else? That honest pursuit of truth. I think for us this morning, when we return, when doubt creeps in and we return to our source of truth, I think we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to ask those questions. When doubt creeps in, return to the source of truth. John sends his disciples to ask Jesus the question. We continue on in Matthew 11, 4 through 5. And Jesus replies, and I love this because Jesus, Jesus doesn't lose his mind. Jesus doesn't tell John and his disciples to get away from him. Jesus doesn't uh, excommunicate John. Jesus just replies to John. And he says to his disciples, he says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. See, so John asks the question, he dares to ask the question, are you the Messiah? In in honest, earnest pursuit of the truth, John asks the question that so many times our hearts want to ask, but for some reason we've talked ourselves into, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate to have that conversation with the Lord. 
John has it. And Jesus reminds him through his disciples, look at what I'm doing. You've seen it. You've heard it. This morning, our second point is that when doubt creeps in, remember your experiences with the Lord. Remember your experiences with the Lord. Because we all, we all have that, right? When doubt creeps in, when, when a trial comes in our lives and we find ourselves in the deepest, darkest pit, it's so easy to forget the goodness of God in the last trial. It's so easy to forget the hand of God a week ago or two weeks ago. I can tell you for me, when doubt creeps in, I go back to those trials in my life. I go back to those, uh, those difficulties in my life, and I can see clear as day the hand of God, the mercy of God himself in my life. One of those quick stories is uh, my father had been sick for several years. Every morning he woke up. And he was dizzy and he was nauseous and, and he was just frustrated. After a couple of years, he was frustrated. And, and I took a, took a day off and I picked him up at the house and we were going to the ENT for uh, the umpteenth time uh, and he was sick on the way there. And the ENT said, what? You can't come here. And so out of desperation, he said, oh, just take me to the ER. So we go to the ER and long story short, he's found to have brain cancer. And, he's been, and it's obviously been there for years. It's been growing for 20 plus years. And so now my father and I are sitting in the ER where we didn't expect to be earlier that morning. We're sitting there, and he has a diagnosis of brain cancer that they found in the back of his skull. To say that we were scared would be an understatement. And I remember my dad just looked at me. And he said, this surprised us, but this didn't surprise God. It'll be okay. And so we sat there, and we, we got the diagnosis, and they said, well, hey, we've got, a, we've got a, a brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon, I guess that's what they're really called, a neurosurgeon that's on call. Like, we'll just call him, and we'll pass your case to him. Really wasn't that encouraging, right, this random guy that's on call. So my dad meets with him and sched- or schedules a meeting, but before he actually schedules a meeting, he, he starts calling a lot of his friends. Have you ever done that? You call your friends around, and you say, hey, you know, especially if they're in that medical field and you say, hey, what do you know about this guy? What do you think of him? You know, should I transfer to somewhere else or whatever? And time after time after time, every person that he called said, hey, if I had to have a neurosurgeon on my case, it would be this guy. Turns out this guy's in like the top five in the country and he's at the hospital, just happened to be on call the time that my dad finds out he's got brain, brain, brain cancer. So long story short, he takes out the tumor. My dad learns how to rewalk and uh, re-eat and all these different things. And it was all because God orchestrated this exact time for my dad to discover something that had been growing for 20 years. And he orchestrated this man, this neurosurgeon, to be there at the exact same time. You can't tell me that that's not the hand of God taking care of my father. So when we go through trials, we think of those times. We think of those times where we saw the goodness of God. We saw the hand of God. And maybe by some miracle this morning, you're sitting here and you haven't been through trials. That's awesome. We need to hang out some more. Uh, We need to be good friends. But I would encourage you that if you have a hard time thinking through and seeing the hand of God, think back to when God reached into your life and captivated your heart and made you a son or a daughter of the king. Not only forgiving your sins, but buying you a future, paying for your eternity. 
So when we go through trials, when, de- when, when doubt begins to creep in, we need to remember our experiences with the Lord. You see, when John heard the words of Jesus through his disciples, John would have immediately remembered the prophecies of Isaiah. That the Son of God, the Messiah, was going to come and open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. That in Isaiah 61, the the Messiah was going to proclaim the good news to the poor. John would have been familiar with that. John would have been familiar with that reference that Jesus was saying, Hey, tell tell John that I'm doing what was prophesied thousands of years ago. Remember your experiences with the Lord. And then finally, in Matthew 11, 7 through 11, we see as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there is not one risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I love this because you got to think about this. For years, John the Baptist was in the spotlight, right? For years, he was proclaiming the return of the Messiah. God is coming in human form. He's sending the Savior. He was proclaiming that. Crowds of people, you can read through Scripture, crowds of people were leaving the city centers and going to the wilderness where John the Baptist was to hear his prophecies. And now, we read in Scriptures again, John says, I must become less and he must become more. And so that is literally happening. John is moving to the background as Jesus moves to the foreground and takes the spotlight. He takes center stage. And so John knew when he sent his disciples, they would find Jesus in a crowd of people. And when his disciples asked the question, are you the Messiah Or should we look for someone else? That the crowd would hear and be aware of John's doubt. Of John's questioning heart. And so as John's disciples leave, as they walk towards John, Jesus speaks not for the edification of John, but for the edification of the crowd. And he asks them, hey, who did you go to the desert to see? A reed swaying in the wind? Somebody dressed in nice clothes? He stands in the gap and he reminds the crowd who John the Baptist is. So our third point this morning is that when doubt creeps in, rest assured, Christ is your testimony. When doubt creeps in, rest assured that Christ is your testimony. You see, so many times, at least, and I can speak for myself, I can't speak for you, when doubt begins to creep in, when doubt begins to captivate my thoughts, 
I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel like I, should, I can't go to the Lord. I can't, I can't lift up this concern to the Lord. I can't voice this concern. And Christ stands in the gap between me and the Father, and he says, this is my child. This is the one that I died for. This questioning boy or girl is our child. Christ is our testimony, and we stand No matter the doubt, no matter the brokenness, no matter the sinfulness, we stand in a righteous relationship with God the Father through Christ. And so this morning, if you're going through a trial and doubt is beginning to creep into your life, remember and rest assured that Christ is your testimony. Not only is Christ your testimony But we ought to remember those experiences as we've journeyed with the Lord. And we ought to return to the source of truth. As we enter into a time of response, I want to challenge you to do a couple things. Number one, I want to challenge you to stay present, to stay here. The donuts in your your life group class, they'll still be there. The coffee, it'll still be there. If you're a guest, that guest bag, we got plenty of those. And number two, I want, you to, I want you to focus in and prayerfully consider what the Lord is calling you to respond to this morning. Don't assume it's for the brother or the sister on your right or the Holy Baptist that's sitting in the back pew. Assume it's for you. God is calling for you to respond. Maybe this morning... You don't know the source of truth. Maybe this morning you don't have any experiences with the Lord. Maybe this morning you cannot rest assured that Christ is your testimony because he's not. I want to encourage you this morning and I want to remind you and and maybe be the first to tell you this morning that there is a God in heaven who so desperately loves you that he chose to send his son to suffer and die on the cross. That by that suffering and that death, it wasn't the end. He rose three days later to show the world that he defeated sin, that he defeated brokenness, that he defeated evil. And by us placing our faith in Jesus Christ and saying, you know what, I believe that that happened. Just like it says about Abram when when he was younger, that when he believed, God counted it as righteousness to Abraham. What we have to do this morning is place our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ. That he paid the penalty that we could never pay. So that we can stand in righteous standing before our creator God. So maybe this morning that's the response you need to make. You need to say, yes, I do believe that. This is the first time I've stepped into that glory, into that truth, into that light that we spoke about earlier. Maybe for some of us, you're in the midst of that trial and you need to just return to the source of truth. You need to return to the Lord. You need to return to his word and spending time with him and walking with him and being reminded of his love and his mercy and his grace. Maybe you just need to remember his goodness in your life. Maybe you're in desperate need of that rest and that assurance that comes with knowing 
that it's not about you being perfect. It's not about you being a good person. It's not about you being here four Sundays out of the month. It's not about that. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about walking in relationship with him. So find rest and assurance that he is your testimony. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that, um, Lord, in the midst of trials, in the midst of of difficulties in our life that we know are going to come, Lord, that you are true to walk with us, that you are faithful to walk with us, Lord, that you even welcome questions because you know our brokenness, you know our doubt. So, Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would return to you and seeking your face. Lord, that we would remember your goodness, your mercy, your grace. And that, Lord, that we would find rest in you because, Lord, you are our testimony. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would begin even now cultivating our hearts, Lord, as we respond, Lord, whether it's in the pew or coming to the altar or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would not let this time pass without responding to your call in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.